Hey, welcome to the Zoo Town Podcast. So glad that you're listening. Um, if you love what you hear, share it. If you don't love what you hear, then don't share it. <laughs> but one reason we're doing this is because we believe that in the Christian community, it has become very divisive over ideas. It's become divisive over theology. And it doesn't mean that we aren't very uh, firm in certain things, but we want to stay focused on Christ and we want to be able to have normal conversation because that is lacking in our society. And so that's what the vision behind this podcast is. Um, it's not that we endorse every single thing that people say, but we endorse them as people who are made in the image of God. And so, uh, that's why we do this. So thanks for joining us. Love you guys. Hey, we're here today with Dan DeLong. So, hey. Bryce Dick. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> Is it bad that I giggle at my own That's name? actually his name. <laughs> and me, Pastor Scott, this podcast has to do with Christians and science, not Christian scientists. Christians and <laughs> science. That's a whole different podcast, the other one. but We're going to get Tom Cruise on here. Oh, that'd be amazing. Wait, they're not Christian science. They're no, he's Scientologists. A, he's Scientologists. Yeah, Come on, Scientologists. Dan. Easy. Uh, we're close. Easy, but uh, same thing. So <laughs> there's this huge kind of culture war that's been going on for... I guess centuries, but it really picked up in the last hundred and some years. And especially now with the COVID and uh, the science, right? It's science and church. And some Christians are really gung-ho about claiming they believe in science and they love to tell you about it. And then there's some Christians who are definitely skeptical of anything science. They and also so, love to tell you about it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, they will, they'll put Give a bumper sticker on for sure. Um, what does it say? My grandpa wasn't King Kong. Like that was the one in the nineties. Yeah, that like, was a really good so one. That was, that was great. That brought a lot of people together. Um, <laughs> but, but there is kind of a war going on and uh, I don't mean like a physical war, obviously, but there has been this debate and with COVID hitting and the mask thing and everything, it's just like amped up to the millionth degree, right? And so we're just here to talk about that today. Um, just give you a little background in my research um, and studies that there has been um, certain periods of time where the church and science were at odds. We mentioned Galileo was one of those, um, but it hasn't always been like that either. It's just, there's just certain time frames where science did seem to be, and how would you say an opponent of, of Christianity or more of like, what, what was the rub there? Do you guys think? I would say a perceived threat. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Uh, I think there's a, there's a battle of worldviews and ideologies. And I think when it feels like science sort of encroaches on the Christian or biblical worldview, uh, the tendency, uh, from Christians has been to sort of scratch and claw and sort of fight back. Um, you know, because that, that's sort of, it can become the core of Christian faith, you know, yeah. what, what you believe about God and how the world came into existence and, when you start to feel like somebody's eroding that, then it, you know, it, it leaves the rest of your faith on shaky ground, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and I would say the, the purpose, like the purpose of life. Right. Kind of, it seems like contradicts when you believe in certain sciences compared to religion or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Dan, your view, you've been in church a long time. <laughs> yeah. You've seen all the wars, the worship wars. Those were fun. Worship too. wars were great. I mean, like you say, there's, you, you go back far enough and there's, 
if you believed in a a biblical worldview at the time, the fact that the world is round would have been offensive to you because the Bible says things like four corners of the earth. And so it has to be flat. Yeah. Which is kind of revived in these days. There's flat earth. I saw the best meme not to cut you off. It said, this is how Japan would have attacked Pearl Harbor if the earth was flat. And it just showed it go like all the way under like South America and all the (laughs) way back over. It was kind of funny. I was like, wow, that's a really logical way to prove that the earth is not flat. It was good, but so, and I, you know, that I always think it's interesting when people say they believe in science as if science is a, is a belief system, but science is a, is a methodology. It's not supposed to be a belief system for those to be at odds is doesn't make any actual logical sense. And I think people that are really, uh, it's fringe people that say, I believe in science or I believe in this instead of like actual scientists don't say, I believe in science. They use science as a method for uncovering mystery. Yeah. Uh, So that's actually a really good segue real quick, Bryce, uh, to when the church wasn't at odds with science in certain points, the Catholic church actually wrote this. And I do in my research, the Catholic Church was a main leader in tons of discoveries and science and all yeah. kinds of stuff. But this was one of their creeds. It says, though faith is above reason, there can never be any real discrepancy between faith and reason. Since the same God who reveals mysteries and infuses faith has bestowed the light of reason on the human mind, God cannot deny himself, nor can truth ever contradict truth. Consequently, method, methodological research in all branches of knowledge provided it is carried out in a truly scientific manner and does not override moral laws can never conflict with the faith. Uh, that's interesting. Can never conflict with the faith because the things of the world and the things of faith derive from the same God. The humble and persevering investigator of the secrets of nature is being led, as it were, by the hand of God despite himself. For it is God, the conserver of all things, who made them what they are. So they, you know, they were completely embracing all things science because it's they looked at it like discovering more of who God is and His creativity. Yeah. Well, I think as Christians, if you really believe that God did create everything, why wouldn't you be naturally inquisitive about about yeah. it and how He made it to work? I think. I think that probably represents a correction because it's obviously not how they operated, you know, when they were dealing with Galileo and some of those early um, thinkers and and scientists. Uh, And and in some ways, I think that's maybe where the church still is, is that there's, there's room for correction for us to, to sort of remove that insecurity about science eroding the foundation of our, of our faith. Like our faith is in Christ. It's not in, a six literal 24 hour period day creation. That doesn't save you. Right. Believing that. Um, You know, but going back to what Dan said, even I I do think there is science, the methodology, you know, an observation of how the world works, sort of an objective measuring and a desire to develop an understanding of the observable world versus science, the religion. Um, And I, I do think there is a strong scientific religion and I think it's, yeah. and I think it's in the professional realms. It's in the 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 very uh, educated, uh, you know. There's there there is a religious uh, scientific community, um, and and I think when you separate those two and you talk about science, uh, you know, are we talking about science 
the methodology for understanding the world? Or are we talking about science, the sort of religion that wants to use that methodology to sort of eliminate any need for God? Yeah. Um, because, because I do think there's a, there's room to embrace one and also stand up against the other one. Yeah. Well, and then, I mean, in our day and age, there is that term kind of militant atheist too. Mm -hmm. That's basically moved past, hey, let's have a difference of opinion. Hey, let's talk about science to science has disproven God. That it's it's impossible for there to be a God. Um, They're definitely, you know, considered Richard Dawkins, those guys, Sam Harris, even though I enjoy Sam Harris, I love Christopher Hitchens, but... Dawkins just is so kind of smug and like, yeah. you know, but those guys are like on a rampage to stamp out religion, um, specifically Christianity. So I, there is somewhat of a rub there and a tension there for sure. Yeah. What they kind of miss is that they've created a new religion. For sure. Yeah. They have well, their own followers. I was watching a, a video and it was from about eight years ago. Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson was giving a, um, a talk to this group of scientists and he was, he was talking about the amount of percentages of people who are atheist and or people who believe in God, and it, he kind of tiered it out based on their education levels. And he talked about how, like, the very top tier of scientists, only seven percent of them actually believe in God. And his point to this group was, they need to convert that seven percent to be atheists. If they can't convert them, how would they ever convert the 80% of people who are uneducated to be atheists? Now, I think he's like softened over the last, because yeah. I've watched some uh, some stuff from him over the last few years, and he's definitely less atheistic than he was, I think, maybe 10 yeah. years ago. But it that was you're a group of scientists, and like you say, they had this religious conversion kind of ideology about this we need to convert people away from an idea of god and so there is some uh, aspect of a religion to that for well sure. and they always point out just the awful things that people who believe in god do right you know they never point out the really wonderful things that 90% of people who are religious actually do you know sure. certain moral things but maybe we do that same thing with atheists absolutely right oh we totally do so like we will all, we always play to the extremes I mean, I don't know what kind of guy Richard Dawkins is. Maybe he's lovely. You know, I have no yeah. idea. But it's just kind of like we, I think both sides play the extremes, which keeps the war going, yeah. you know. But yeah. yeah, so I think, again, you know, we could talk about the history of science. And there is science in the Bible, but I don't think the Bible was meant to be a science book. And I think that's where some Christians get a little off track in. Like it was never meant to be a science book. It wasn't meant to explain every single thing in the universe or, or for that matter, really not most of the Bible is not meant to be a history book, at least not in the way that we perceive yes. the way history is recorded. Today. Cause it's recording one group's history basically in the right. Old Testament. And in a way that we don't record history anymore. What do you mean? Like the, the details and the facts and the figures about the way we record history, it's very important to us that everything is 100% factually correct to the minor details, right? Yeah. Like if there's an army of a thousand people that we say there's an army of a thousand people, the Bible, when the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, talks about 
numbers and different things like that. They don't necessarily have to be that there was exactly a thousand people in there. And the people that were recording it at that time knew that these numbers meant something else. That's true. Right. So I actually, not to interrupt you, but I just read that about the thousand years. Like everyone talks about the millennial reign and revelation a thousand years it's symbolic for like a really long time. Right. And it's everywhere. Like I will bless them for a thousand generations. Right. Right. So I don't think God was up there being like, well, one more generation. 999. Sucks to be that (laughs) 1,000th and one generation. So even that term, we've made that into our view of a thousand years when it's not. Exactly. And that's, so we record history differently now than people did thousands of years ago. And so if we're trying to, uh, we can't look at the Bible, specifically Old Testament, as a history book in that kind of way. Yeah. Like we we would dissect even now stories about George Washington and Abraham Lincoln yeah. because, and, and most of them are probably not true. No, about, the cherry tree, that's not true. We learned that, right? And that's not even a true story. Right. right. It's not. Sorry, dude. It's it is in Harlow Town still. So. And, and that's like a, that's that can be a big thing to some people. Right, like that yeah. we're oh, we never cut down a cherry tree. Oh my gosh, how do we trust anything? Was Abe even honest? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's not the way we feel that you should record history I in know. this day and age. Well, and what's funny is science has actually helped us record history better. Yeah, you know, and they didn't really have some of that back then, and they're. It was their perception of certain things, and I think science has actually helped us understand the history of mankind even better. Right. I, I think when you get when you drill down, you kind of find one of the core issues where science and and Christianity have sort of butted heads. You know, Dan's talking about how numbers were recorded and, and lengths mm-hmm. of time and measurement and all these things. And when you you know, creation is is one of the big sticking points yeah, for. Right force the science versus, you know, the Bible or science versus religion, um, topic. And, you know, when you drill down into that, you have this idea that like, how long, how long has the earth been here? Right. What's what's the time length that it's been around. And for, for a lot of people, this is a really serious, it's a very intense issue. I've heard people, I've heard people their whole lives to it. I mean, yeah, yeah, I've heard people say that like, if, the, like if the earth wasn't created in six literal 24 hour days, then how can we believe anything Any else? Yeah, right. You know what I mean? I uh, but when you really look at the, the creation narrative, you don't actually see it claiming to be created in six literal 24 hour days. You know, when, when you drill down, you see that, uh, that the sun and the moon, which governs our 24 hour days mm-hmm. and our passage of time wasn't even created, created until yeah. day four. Yeah. Right. Sure. And so yeah. we have this idea that like it must have been, you know, it, 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 well, but the other ones must have been 24 hours, right? And and then you also, you know, you, you look down even further and you can see that, you know, even Genesis 1, 2, right? In the beginning was the, was the heavens and the earth. And then you see like this, the earth was formless and void. And, that, and if you dig into that word, I mean, the Hebrew word for was formless means laid waste. So the earth was laid waste. So there, you could actually say that there's, it's plausible that there was something going on on the earth before Before that. that. And then all of a sudden, and then God sort of like wiped the slate clean and started over. Dinosaurs. Yeah. I mean, it's so, and and like I said, I don't think it gives us enough detail to really say, but there's definitely, there's not the need to be at odd at odds with it in the sense that like, if it's not 24 hour day, you know, 24 hour days, then it's, 
it's not possible to believe anything about the Bible. Well, and even that word in the beginning, if, if you, the Hebrew of that is basically as far as we know, that's what that word means. Sure. It doesn't mean at this moment, at in this time, at this, concept, it's, it's like yeah. as far as we know. And that's where I think science, religion, Christianity can learn from science. There's a, you can tell science geeks who have helped our life so much, they get a passion about it. Like right. they have fun with science. I don't know why we can't have fun with Genesis one, two, and three, right? Like mm. there's a, there's a fun aspect. And so that, that's where I, I've said this before, and this has gotten people upset with me. So I personally do believe in a seven day creation. I believe Adam and Eve are real. That's my belief that, um, it makes God look bigger. It makes it, I don't, I can't imagine this thing evolving and then there's no redemption in it. Like, I don't understand that. Like there's no redemption, but straight from Adam and Eve, I see redemption. That's why I love it. Um, but at the same token, I've never woken up at two in the morning when I'm messed up or upset and thought, oh gosh, was it seven days of creation? <laughs> you know, like I've never, that it doesn't do that for me, but I still think, like you said, the, the world was form, what was it, void and formless? Was formless and void, yeah. I think the world has been around for billions of years. And I think that, uh, you know, it says, and the spirit hovered over the water. It was made of something. Right. And so I think when, when scientists dig way down deep into rocks, they're like, yeah, this is millions of years old. I think they're right. It just was formed after it was made. That's mm -hmm. the difference is there was right. two different, but I don't, I don't see why it matters except for your last point that says, well, if we, if we don't believe this, then we can't, we got to throw away the whole Bible. And I'm always like, name any other book you would do that with. Right. Yeah. I don't agree with this part. So we might, there's no truth in here whatsoever. And Dan, you've had some good thoughts on that kind of, you know, just growing up in church and the whole Bible thing. Yeah. So I think what it, like what it comes down to is not really even a, a, an odds with faith and religion it, or faith and science. It's an odds of biblical literalism and, yes. and science, right? That's where, that's where we really come down to yep. the, the crux of where we're at odds with each other. And so we talk about, you know, like you say, is the young earth, right? So that's mm -hmm. young earth scientists and creationists where the earth is 6,000 years old. And if it's, if it's anything more than that, I've been in, I've been in places where the, uh, you know, been at conferences and stuff where the pastor, Which one? <laughs> I won't, I won't just joking, just joking. Uh, but where the pastor gets up on stage and tells everybody, if we don't believe in a, a seven day creation and, and that the earth is 6,000 years old, we can't believe in Jesus and we need to get back to that. And we need to fight for that. That's and the I've, foundation they think. Yeah. It's yep. the foundation it is, is not Jesus. The foundation is, uh, a literal interpretation of every part of the Bible. Because Jesus said... Semi-literal. Because Jesus said <laughs> right. creation is the cornerstone. <laughs> not, yeah. not not myself, but creation's the cornerstone, and you will stumble over it, or it will right. crush you, or whatever, <laughs> you know? And you and you look at that, and we could go... We could talk for hours about, you know, how easy it would be to just say we cannot take every part of the Bible literally. Yeah. Because that's another podcast. Yeah, that is another podcast, uh, and that's not to say that none of it is literal. Yeah. It's just to say that you whatever. Uh, a third of it for sure is poetry. I mean, even Ravi Zacharias finally said, "Yeah, a third of this is poetry." But that's even know? the creation narrative is written in prose. Hebrew, it's written yeah, it's Hebrew poetry. So, so yeah, it's not even recorded as like chronicles or kings would be. Yeah, that's true. Right, 
And you and then when you start digging into the history of how the Bible was written and when it was written, who it was written to, and you you go, the purpose of the creation narrative was never to give you a timeline. It was always to be like, here's we believe that our God created the earth. Yes. Not and then what then what we're meant to do in that is to look at the differences between the early creation narratives and the re- other religions of the day and see where they all came out of chaos got their our god yahweh created out of order yes. and those are the differences and we're supposed to be able to take those things and go wow that's amazing mm-hmm. and you don't have to sit there and go oh my gosh is it how many days and then yeah. the, and i you know i the the formless and void thing is an interesting one. I haven't heard that before, but I have heard like the, uh, the gymnastics. And I used to do this, that, that you have to, the mental gymnastics that you play to like fit in science, Yeah, you know, yeah. like, okay. So if I, if I say one day is, you know, 1532 years, then now I, now it works. And I'm like, I just got kind of tired of that. And like, I don't need it to fit. It doesn't anymore. do anything, right? It yeah. doesn't build my faith. It doesn't edify anything. And I think just like some people are scientific minded, I don't want to throw all the creationists under the bus because that's how their mind works too. And I'm actually sure. into it. I've, I've, I've watched a lot of cool stuff on how the earth, like even the water, you know, did come up from the earth at that time. Sure. And that's really cool. I mean, that's cool, but it's not something to start a war over. Right. <laughs> and I don't think it's something that, um, I think it actually pushed, I guess, you know, onto our main topic, Christians and science. I think it did push a lot of Christians away in some ways to, yeah. um, not believe in like the good news. Cause you're right. like, they're just like, man, I'm so tired of fighting about this. And, there are some things that science has definitely been right about and Christians have been wrong about. Meaning how do you want to like let yourself bleed out to get all the demons out anymore? (laughs) Or do you want to go into surgery and they just hand you a stick and say, bite down (laughs) you know, or like some of that stuff. So I do think it's an important topic. Um, but I think the war part of it has been bad. Um, and so I want to touch on both sides specifically, obviously the evolution thing came out in the eighties 1880s, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, I was like, like, wow. <laughs> I'm no scientist, <laughs> but in 1980, Darwin, Darwin was really old. He was hanging out with Michael Jackson, and they were... <laughs> they were messing around with that chimp that Michael Jackson always had. They figured it out. There's a missing link. Uh, no, in the 1800s, you know, the Darwin stuff, and there was like a huge shift there, even though Darwin never like really was against Christianity or religion. I mean, sure. that's kind of interesting that they've branded him in that way, but... That did for, you know, 100 plus years now, that's kind of been the thing that's been in fighting between these two groups. And it's not just the Christians. It's the it's the evolutionists as well who have kind of spurred on the intellectual arrogance, I like to say. Mm. But what was the church's response, right? And so you were talking about the literal Bible. And um, if you look up the Chicago Council of Evangelicals or something like that. Yeah, the Chicago Statement of Inerrancy. Yes. Yeah. So... It's interesting when people say about the literal Bible or fundamentalism, inerrant and infallible, Mm -hmm. they think that's like an old thing. It's not. That was like, what, 1978, 79, somewhere around there? like that, yeah. And it was a group of evangelicals got together in a response to evolution because they saw evolution being taught in school and they saw people starting to question even if God exists. And so their response was to make the Bible perfect. 
And so again, if you're listening to this, there's two infallibility and inerrant are two different things. Inerrant means it's perfect. Like there are no flaws in it whatsoever. Correct me if I'm wrong, you guys. Infallibility is it has everything we need for faith and practice. Yeah. So what happens is if you look at what in my research to the early church fathers, they never talked about inerrancy ever. It was infallible. And what was going on was, is there was the Gnostics and other groups who wanted to add new books to the Bible and they'd say, no, the Bible's perfect as is. It's infallible. We don't need any more. We have everything we need for faith and practice. Sure. But they never said you couldn't have different opinions or different views or different questions about what the writers were saying. And so when that came out in the 70s as a response to evolution, that caused a whole new debate and probably more division within right. the Christian church because of this. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> It's like you say, I, I, I don't know if, I don't think infallible is even uh, actually in the Bible either. It's just like that, that phrase is the everything you need for faith and practice yeah. and all that stuff. That's, well, and even that verse in Timothy, right? It's like, it's God breathed right. and it's useful for teaching, exhorting, rebuking. I mean, right. he never said it's detrimental. He never said it's, uh, the, he never, you know, Paul never said, this is the cornerstone. This is our rock. This is he, cause that was Jesus. Right. And again, right. whole nother podcast, but this was the, <laughs> this is how this started was because it was against evolution. Right. And we've, I don't know, I, I'm with you, you know, as far as like, is the, uh, our Christians, do we have to be against evolution? Do you think that we have to be, can, you believe in Jesus and also evolution. What do you think? Absolutely. I, I think. believe in evolution. Evolution exists for sure. It's it's the starting point that we fight over. Sure. So meaning like, I think it's God's grace that he, I mean, dude, I'm the whitest guy. Well, no, you're the whitest guy ever, Dan. You were not meant to live. <laughs> you were not meant to live in Africa or the Middle East. Right. You just weren't. But in God's grace, I think he allowed... I know he allowed humans and animals to adapt to their surroundings. And so that's, they are, they are kind of checking out, you know, Darwin's finches again on Galapagos islands. Like, are they, did they fly there or were they there because their beaks were meant to be there or Mm -hmm. did their beaks adapt because they were there? Those are two different questions. So again, it doesn't matter to me because I believe Jesus had it all under control. Right. But I think it's God's, I think evolution is God's grace that, he allows you to adapt to certain climates. I've seen it when I go to Mexico. I get burnt the first three to four days, and it feels like it's 185 degrees. But by the end of the week, you're kind of getting used to it a little bit sure. and the humidity and all kinds of stuff. So I think evolution was God's grace to be able to adapt to different climates on the planet. Yeah. But even like the if we're going to talk on a, on a big scale, you know, like you say, the... Uh, what was it? King Kong is not my grandpa yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Like I personally don't have a problem if you want to believe that. If that you, you started wanna, from that? If you wanted to, if you want to believe that's how God created, that's fine with me. Yeah. Um, and you know, whether or not Adam and Eve are a literal person or not, I just, it doesn't feel like it matters. What I, does yeah. matter then? Like, cause some people are going to hear this and think that that's like heresy, you yeah, know? Like, I know. so I mean like what, so what are you saying? Why do you think it doesn't matter? Because I don't think that was the point of the, the creation story. And I don't even think it necessarily puts us against that story because Adam and Eve could even still be a literal, literal people that happened, you know, 
how it's the the question is like where did god's spirit enter man if you believe in evolution right yeah. so w- at what point were people evolved enough to and so that's a really weird space to be in and like i said i'm not saying that um that i necessarily believe that i'm just saying i don't have a problem if you do believe that like it's not a sen- it's definitely not essential to salvation no yeah. no i think your jesus has to be the the thing that we that we hold to, that we cling to. And if we, if we cling to Jesus, the rest of it, we can have a conversation about. Yeah. And it just doesn't bother me if somebody has that, has that perspective. Yeah. And I do feel like we fight and we fight and we fight. And it's like, you can, we tell people that they then are not allowed to believe in Jesus if that's the way they believe. And that's a fair point. And I think that's where the war is, is it's like, I don't think you start with that. Like, no. I don't think, you know, you start with talking about Jesus because if you, if you can get someone to be, if you can convince someone that we were created by God, they could instantly say, okay, cool. What God? Sure. And they, that never leads them to the path of Jesus. Yeah. But if you can convince them or and persuade them in love that Christ is who he said he was, which still takes faith by the way. Yeah. Um, to me, I feel like you can work backwards sometimes. Then. Absolutely. And that's where I don't have a, I'm with you. I don't have a problem with it. Meaning it doesn't do something to my heart anymore where I'm like, cause yeah. back in the day it was all pride. Like it doesn't rile you up. Yeah. Uh, whatever. I'm like, cool. Well, how are we going to act today? How are we going to be like Christ today? Yeah. Um, but I do think it's important. I guess I might differ with you on that. Sure. I do th- because God says we're made in his image. Yeah. And so at what point was he like, okay, now they've evolved enough to where I can admit that they're made in my image, you know? So I I struggle with that and I don't believe that. I believe that Adam and Eve were real and that, but I'm with you in the fact that like you and me aren't going to go blows and I'm not going to go to Richard Dawkins and be like, yeah, I'm going to be like, hey, here's Jesus. Do you want to follow him? Because that's what matters. You're not following Adam and Eve. You're following Jesus. Right, exactly. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I I definitely, I I struggle with... Uh, I think m- when it comes to evolution, microevolution, and that, I don't know if these are science sciencey terms. I, they may not be, yeah, but there's like an idea of like micro and macro. The idea yeah. that um, okay, these finches over generations developed different types of beaks to sort of be able to eat different types of seeds because yeah. they and and so you know the conventional view of evolution is that sort of mutations in species happen at random, but then the ones that are maladaptive or like not helpful. Uh, those ones die out or eliminated because they're not helpful and that yeah. that part of the species doesn't survive. And then the ones that are adaptive, that are good, that help the species, they end up pro- proliferating because they make that part of the species more successful. Um, and so, you know, when when we look at like that type of evolution, you know, you see, you do see shifts in Absolutely. populations and things, mm-hmm. you know. Well, you can see it in how um, people people look. Yeah. from now it, to even to a couple hundred years it's ago. It's observable. It's something that we can look at and say, yeah, um, you know, my cat it gets a warmer coat right now, right? And then in the in the spring it it sheds a ton of fur. It's annoying and then it's all, you know, skinny and gangly looking, but yeah. but like right now it looks like really tough and, you know, different species you, you have to adapt to to your climate, you have to adapt. And so through generations, you can tell that it's going to happen. It's going to, it's going to lead to alterations in species, but, but they never change species. Sure. That's where I've always gone against. Like if you ask any scientists, like, have they ever, have you ever seen, and they have some examples, but they're never like solid examples that an animal actually changed species. Like a dog has never changed into anything but a dog. Sure. Right. That's my rub with what you're saying. Like creation, you know, and I'm not sure, 
if that's species or if that's like genus order class, yeah. you know, those kind of things. So, cause like species can be, you know, two dogs can be different species, but they're both dogs. Yeah. And there are, you know, I was even reading about, you know, Darwin's finches, right? Well, some of those finches, uh, actually interbred species and mm-hmm. created a new species. And that's also throwing kind of a wrinkle in, in the theory that like, okay, this just happens over time randomly because of whatever mutations happen. And then they, you yeah. know, the, the, the adaptive ones that help the species, they're saying like, actually can happen a lot faster where these two actually create a new species well, of course, yeah. by just, you know, breeding, uh, interbreeding. And so, uh, I, but when I look at like the macro evolution, the idea that like, okay, there was once a single cell that became something of a complex organism that became something that looked like a fish that grew legs, that walked out of the water, that started climbing into trees that eventually stood on two feet, eventually lost all its hair. And and then we had a human and then the human invented everything that we have now. And, and now we, we have Tesla's and you know, it's like, (laughs) I knew you would jump right to the Tesla. (laughs) You know, when I look at that, I feel, it feels much more implausible to me. Um, and, and to me that flies in the face more of, of, of intelligent design because when you really, really think about the idea of intelligent design, I mean, it doesn't really take anything away from God if he created a world that continues to adapt and reform and continues to create. It doesn't really make him less creative. In fact, it almost makes him more creative that he kind of set this thing in motion and it and it's become what it is. He had it hardwired from the beginning that it was going to right, end right. up at a certain Not thing. that like yeah. on, you know, in the first six days of creation, he created everything that's ever been and there's never been anything else. And he just stopped there. Yeah. I think um, he's still creating. That's for yeah, sure. Yes. So I, I, you know, but I, so I kind of do take issue with the idea that, um, yeah, that like humans came from, from apes, but even in researching for this podcast, you know, I was reading a little bit about some of the genetic work that they're doing and finding, um, these genomes of early human ancestors within, the human genome and you know i but man, we also it, have dandelion man us. it's above i mean we have what dandelion genetics in us yeah it, it's oh, it's yeah. a it's yeah. above me i don't understand <laughs> it yeah um you know it, i certainly find it interesting um but i think i fall more in that category of saying like there's something about humanity there's something about the human animal call it an animal call it not an animal We're whatever you want to call it yeah. but there's something about humans that just is is so different than anything else on the yeah. planet. And I see it in our ability to care for one another, in our ability to care for an animal, in our ability to care. And not to say that like animals, I know animals can become friends and different species can get along and they can have like a symbiotic relationship and stuff like that. But I just mean in in the human mind and in the human heart and the way that we endeavor to create, to continue to create, to to design, to order the world there's something that just sets it apart from the rest of the animal kingdom. And so I have a hard time. I have a hard time seeing it now. I'm, I'm with Dan. I don't think it means you can't believe in Jesus if you believe that. Absolutely. But for me personally, when I look at it, I'm like, you know, like God created when he, when God made man, when man, I mean, it man is just something totally different. It just is. Yeah. And And there's some, there's some of them that like I said, not to get too nitty gritty on this, but like there's a film over babies that protects them from disease and stuff. And I'm like, it, it wouldn't have survived without that. So how did it 
if it wasn't like that from the beginning, sure. how did it survive? Or even like, I mean, that means the male penis and the vagina would have had to evolve too. So at what point were they like, okay, I'm going to stick this in there. And I just, it's too, it's just too complex for me to believe that. Yeah. Well, and like, you know, I, I think that, uh, for one, um, to say the randomness of it, that's that's one of those things that's hard, that's difficult to swallow, to be like, uh, it's all random and plus Jesus. I don't know that you can that you can get there. I think at some point you have to go. That's like I said, the point of the creation story is that God did create, and so that God had His hands on all of Fair. it. Fair. So, um, and whether, I get what you're saying. You're just you're not trying to split hairs over this to have someone not want to follow Jesus right. because we're going to fight over how long creation was or how it happened to yeah. you. And I just am, I'm in a place where you, you look at somebody and you go, okay, if somebody who believes all this stuff then becomes a, a follower of Jesus, it's never going to be an important in my, uh, in, from my perspective to then get them to not believe that anymore. Yes. So if you, if you want to follow Jesus and you still believe all of that stuff, that's okay. You're not at less of a Christian than I am for not believing that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I agree. Cause I feel like that was what Jesus was hinting at though, in the sense where he goes, have you not heard or have you not read from the beginning? God made, you know, so if right. you're going to follow Jesus, I don't think you can end with believing in evolution. That started everything personally. Sure. Because I'm like, are you going to take Jesus's words literal? Are you like, was he right? Or was, did he not know? You know, he said in the beginning, man created man and woman, you know, or God created man and woman. So I'm like, was he lying or, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. I get what you're saying is like, we've, we've reversed the order in almost saying like, believe in this first and then Jesus will make sense. And I'm always like, no, believe in Jesus. And if you never get to that point, Believe in Jesus. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's that's my main point. I agree. I agree. Hey, guys, we hope you are enjoying this episode of the Zootown podcast. Um, We just want to take a moment right now to remind you that likes, shares, uh, reviews, they go a huge way as far as getting the message out further into our community, but also abroad and into other communities. So if you value this conversation and past conversations that you have heard on this podcast, we ask that you take the time to actually go and give us five stars. Don't give us four. We need all of them. And uh, leave us a review. Thanks again for being listeners to this podcast and contributors and joining the conversation. Moving on just a little bit is because like, we could all agree that the the point of science is meant it's to be challenged. Yeah. That's the point of science is it's meant to be critiqued. It's meant to be challenged or else it stops growing. It stops evolving to use the term. <laughs> sure. And one of the issues I see now is that specifically with Christians who claim, I believe in science, I believe in science. In my opinion, it seems like science has taken precedent over God in some ways. That it's almost like, I don't really care. There's science and then there's the Bible and then there's spirituality. Like it's always science first. And my struggle with that is it almost feels like you can't even critique it anymore. Like... We live in a time now, again, like with climate change and, you know, all kinds of stuff. It's like if you even critique it, and there's this group of Christians who now it's like science. This is like, well, I believe in science. And like I said, they always have to tell you about it. Like, And I'm yeah. like, that's awesome. I'm happy for you. 
but it's almost become this kind of arrogant, like wokeness now with Christians. We've watched them online, right? On Facebook, just being like, just mask shaming and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And my issue with it is it's like, you can't even challenge it now. Like science is saying a lot of stuff now when it comes to sexuality and gender and all kinds of things. And it's like, can you even challenge it then as a Christian? Right. Well, and the interesting thing is I, we, we, I was thinking about this earlier because we, we make the same mistakes as those who are like in the faith community and those who are in the science community. If those are, if those are separate communities where, um, you know, the most brilliant people who have ever, you know, like, uh, the most brilliant scientists who have ever come around have said things like the more I've, I've studied, the less I know. You know, the, yep. the more mystery that there actually, there is, you know, Albert Einstein has quotes like that. And so they, they realize that there's a humility in their, in their pursuit of knowledge that I could be wrong about this and I might learn something new that, that disproves it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, there's, there's a certain group of scientists that I do believe still hold to that. And it's like science at its purest where they just are all about new discovery and wonder. Right. And so, and then in the faith community, we should have a, a humility about us to realize where we are at in comparison to who our God is. Absolutely. And when we feel like we've... Underst- they should have that same faith and wonder. Yes. Or, you know, longing and wonder as science does. And when we feel like we understand God to a degree that's beyond what we really do... Yeah, package it up. <laughs> then we start to attack other people. Mm-hmm. And when scientists lose that wonder and they lose that ability to see that we don't understand most of the universe, then they start to attack the other side. And we're making the same mistakes and we're fighting each other over them. Yeah. Well, and I think that some of it is a casualty of sort of the information age that we live in. Information is transferred so quickly that I think oftentimes a lot of a lot of discovery, a lot of, there's snap judgments and snap decisions about things that really we're probably not going to fully understand who was right and who was wrong about some of this stuff for another 20 years. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Right. I mean, you look back at like some of the things that you've mentioned already, like bloodletting and things like that. Yeah. Like these were scientific practices. This, you know, scientists had decided that some of these things were good ideas and they were healthy. And now we look back and we mock them with sort of this, like, oh, I can't believe they ever thought That's putting stupid. leeches all over everybody was going to help. But we them. wouldn't even have our science if they wouldn't have done that. Right. Right. Exactly. And, and so I think there's a, a certain amount of like, I think there's a certain amount of what, what do you trust? And, and because of that, you have competing points of view. Let's say like the masks, for example, right. There's going to be people who science scientists who fall on one side and scientists fall on the other side. And because there's so much information right now, you can pick pick which one you want to listen to. And what happens then is there's an information war who's right and who's wrong. Right. And I think that's, you know, a lot of this, you know, if we approach it, like Dan's saying with some humility, we might realize that like, we probably won't know who was right and who was wrong for a while. And we'll be able to look back with a lot of clarity as we know and understand more. And as we learn and observe more, um, but the problem is, I think, is when you, when you snap to those judgments from a faith perspective, is that you often, uh, you often where you end up putting egg on, on the faith community's face, not just your own. When looking back, you're wrong. You know things yeah. like going all the way back to Galileo as just a, a sort of a caricature of it. You know is that 
you know, the church was sure that they were right and he was wrong. And it became this, you know, this thing that we still learn about in school because the church was really wrong. And so I think, you know, operating with humility is always, that was really good, Dan. It's always a good way to go about it. In both. And that's where I think, that's my struggle with the the Christian group right now. When they always say like, well, I believe in science. It's it's automatically assuming that other other people don't that like other Christians right. don't believe in that. And I'm mm-hmm. like, come on, man! Like, unless you have like a serious like PhD in science, you posting something doesn't make me believe that you know what right. you're talking about. You sure. know. And let's be real, the CDC. I mean, just in this, how many times have they changed their opinion, their mind? And so some people posted stuff in March and April that is now complete BS. Right. Yeah. And they shamed people now. I don't, this is where I'm not like a weirdo to with the CDC, like it's a new virus and yeah. it's okay to change because that's science that we've watched our Christian friends being like, well, I believe in science. And that's my whole deal with like, I mean, like electric cars, right? They are not better for the environment. Just do simple research on it, what it costs or what it takes to like make those batteries and like how much energy it produces and all that and how they're going to have to get rid of them. They're not, but you'll every, not everyone. This is always a huge exaggeration, but most electric cars I see their, their license plate says like no gas or right. saving the world. <laughs> I'm like, come on, man. Like that's just like ridiculous, but we're just kind of spoon fed this. And so it just seems like in the, the good Dan, I'll let you jump in is it just seems like Christians who just claim science. It's like, no matter what science says, they believe it no matter what. Right. And I'm like, that's not the point of science. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, just to comment on that, the, you know, electric cars and stuff like that, I always thought it was really funny that, you know, that it was started with the hybrids and stuff, you know, and, and we always said, you know, those are, um, those cars are so much worse for the environment because of the batteries and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, uh, which gets us into this place where we then find something else to divide over and find something else to fight over. And, and I always maintained, if you want to buy a hybrid or you want to buy an electric car, because right now it's worse for the environment, but we need to produce this to, or we need to have funding for these things in order to get to a place where these things can be better for the environment. And you could say, I'm going to buy this now knowing that in 20 years from now, the electric cars will be better. Which is where coal is at, by the way. So now coal is extremely clean. It's it's burned extremely clean. Oh yeah. It's coal is not what it used to be, but you never could have got there unless you burned bad coal for a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, My father-in-law works for uh, a company that they um, have clean emissions and stuff and they work for this coal factory, right? It's amazing what they can do. Yeah. And it's like the cleanest energy in (laughs) in the world outside of nuclear. It's literally the next cleanest thing. And so, um, but we just divide and we, we go, I'm going to take this small point and I'm going to, I'm going to use that thing as something I'm going to, uh, as a weapon against you instead of, we, one of the things as a staff we've talked about is believing the best in each other. Mm-hmm. And we just, we choose as a society to believe the worst about each other. And, and Christians, I will say Christians have done that to scientists. Yeah. They've, they've, they've made this to be like, well, he's a scientist and he's an atheist. So he's ready to kill everybody. Yeah. And you're just like, whoa, <laughs> like I know the, the German scientists weren't great, but I hate to tell you a lot of our technology came from Nazi scientists. Yeah. It just did. And I just... It's such an exhausting place to live yeah. to just go from like everybody is bad. And there are, there are some people out there with bad motives, mm-hmm. but to, we just make that assumption about everyone that you, you know, you believe something different than me. And so you're bad. And, and I just, 
we shouldn't be that as believers. No. I don't believe. Yeah. And I think that's where, I mean, one of the things we can end on for sure is this is going to take a little time to unpack is that the climate change deal is a big deal. I mean, for people. Sure. And the, you have major extremes, like you're saying, major extremes on this. Um, and my, again, these are just my personal beliefs is I, I do struggle with any science that comes out that's contrary to climate change. It's immediately suppressed, mocked and shamed. And I, I don't like that because as I said, science is meant to be challenged. Science is yeah. meant to have this. And my biggest issue, and this is just one of the recent ones, like everything's climate change. Remember, it's not global warming anymore. Like now it's just climate change because they had to change it in a way. And because some places aren't warming. Right. And that's my issue is like when all those fires happen in California, Governor Newsom comes out, says, see, you want to know if climate change is real? Well, there were other congressmen who were like, you haven't allowed us, the people to log these forests for a long time and clean them up but you can just blame everything on climate change now. And I, I wrestle with that big time. Cause I think that has just become such a thing where it's like every problem that ever exists now is all climate change. Right. And there's a ton of research out there that's showing like the deserts, there's some deserts that are actually becoming more plant populated. And here was the kicker for me. And then I'll let you guys go off on this is, um, I'm watching, I'm, my kids are homeschooled right now. And let me just tell you, after homeschooling my kids for a couple of months, like teachers should definitely get paid. Way more. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm, I think we can all agree on that and True. vote for that. Forgive us for never appreciating you. Um, <laughs> but I'm in charge of history because my wife knows I'm a history buff. I love history. So we were watching the, I, I walked through the culture of Egypt and this is on National Geographic. Mm-hmm. And this lady explains how Basically, how the the early Egyptians got there was because of climate change. So thousands of years ago, she said the magnetic poles in the earth shifted. And that happens often. And when it shifts, it moves the weather around the planet. And so basically, it changed the Nile River. And they had to move from these certain highlands to these lowlands because the Nile River moved because the magnetic... And they, you know, where they lived became a desert. And And she's explaining this happens all the time. And I'm sitting there watching this going couldn't that be happening now? Like we're all freaking out about a lot of stuff and that the world's going to burn up and the polar ice things are shit, you know, all that stuff. But if this has happened in history, why is it so awful to even say, well, maybe it's just changing again. Maybe it's, you know, maybe God has this under control and you can't really say that with Christians who believe in science like that. They're just like, they call you names. They think you're stupid. And you're just kind of like, whoa, <laughs> like, I'm just wondering if we can learn from history. Okay, my soapbox is over. You guys go. I think you can hold that position and also care about the environment. Absolutely. And, and that's where, like, that's where I say, like, you can, we get to these spots where we're going to fight over these things and you don't allow people to meet somewhere in the middle and be like, maybe climate change is just something that happens over the course of history. And, you know, there are plenty of scientists that would say that we're leaving an ice age, right? Yeah, so, yeah. because the fact that we have polar ice caps, which they talked mean, about in the seventies that there was an ice age happening. Right. And so the fact that we have polar ice caps means that we are on the other, are on the tail end of an ice age and that it would eventually, they would all melt on their own. 
that's you can have that position and also be like, I think pollution's probably not that great. Because totally, I mean, I agree. Live in Missoula twenty years ago when the air was orange. Oh my gosh! You know, like you'd get into the valley and you'd be like, Oh my gosh! Yeah, what is going? Everyone on? had their fireplaces stoked up. <laughs> and and in the last twenty years, the air's a lot better here. Absolutely. And we can go. It's probably better for us for the animals, for everybody, if we actually care about the environment. But when we get into these places where we're like, well, I'm going to divide about this little tiny thing. And so we're just going to go, nope, you're, you believe in science and you believe in global climate change and that we're causing it and, or you don't. And so if you don't believe that, you just, you hate every, you hate the squirrels and yeah, this and it's again, we just believe just the worst about people. Yeah. And I do think here's, here's where I want to be fair because I just kind of went against, you know, a lot of the science uh, community. I do think a lot of it's a reaction to the, the Christian community because sure. when you believe revelation that God is going to just burn everything up anyways, we've all heard it. Yeah. Who cares if you dump oil in the ground? Who cares if you just litter and throw plastic everywhere? He's going to burn this play up, place up and make a new heaven and new earth. And that was a very poor choice to land on when yeah. it comes to taking care of the earth. So Absolutely. I do want to be fair in that assessment. But Bryce, what are your thoughts on the, the climate think, change debate right now? I mean, I think there there's definitely an attitude that I've heard within the Christian community that is sort of that rape, pillage, plunder, the earth mentality. And it's power. You know? Yeah. That even some people, I think, interpret Genesis, you know, the command to rule and subdue to sort of be like, you know, do what you want with the earth. And I think in that, in that case, um, you know, I, I think God's call to Christians is, is to steward the earth um, to those who follow him, that the earth is an incredible gift. Um, that, that he's given us. And yeah, I think that, that idea that it's all going to burn and, you know, he just gave it to us to use and abuse. Um, you know, I, there's a, there's a print that I plan on getting at some point, but it, it's in the, there's a, there's a print in the museum of the Rockies when you walk through, um, they have kind of that corridor with like the, the, the giant stuffed Buffalo mm-hmm. and the native American histories and stuff like that. But there's a picture from the Chicago rail yards of bison skulls um, because bison were hunted to the point of extinction, um, to the point where I think it might have been Theodore Roosevelt that sent an expedition out west to find if there was any bison left. Mm. And they found like one herd. Um, and I can't remember how many there was, you know, 80 or hundred, I can't remember. But, but when you look at this picture, because they were commercially hunted to the yeah. point of extinction, there's these two guys and they're just tiny and they're standing on this huge mountain of bison skulls because all these bison were, I mean, they're easy pickings and commercially, you know, they could use their, their fur, their, you know, their hide, their meat, everything could be used, you know, so they would be killed and shipped back to Chicago where, where they'd be, or they'd be rounded up and slaughtered. I'm not sure how they went about it, but, but to me, that's kind of this moment where it's like, okay, our human impact does matter. Absolutely. You know, this idea that like we literally Christians should be leading the charge on that. Yeah. And we, we almost took this incredible majestic species that was literally too num too numerous to count when we moved out West and we almost eliminated it completely. And so that should be sobering to think about because I think when it comes to climate change, that's, that's the question that sort of sits at the heart of it. Can we as humans really have enough impact 
to cause this to cause something to actually shift. Yeah. And I think when I think about the bison, it, it's just to me, it just feels like an omen. It feels like something for me to to sort of remember. Like remember when we almost did this. And so I want to like be humble enough to say, what else are we doing now that at some point it could put us in a similar situation? And so climate change for me, like I, I agree, there's competing science. There's definitely points of view that aren't taken into consideration. I I feel really I think some of the way that the climate change uh, doomsday prophets go about their business is really distasteful. Uh, That little girl, Greta Thunberg, that they sort of (laughs) paraded around and she was angry, shaming the whole world. It just, it's just, it's just felt icky to me. It felt like they were using her. Um, So I don't like that stuff, but I do think like in humility, like why would we not want to, treat the world well why would we not like if we can invent cars that get 100 miles to the gallon why are we still rolling out cars that get 15 miles to the gallon yeah. you know so it's like it, to me it's kind of like just a challenge to be like you know i don't buy necessarily the doomsday scenario that like in 10 years the world will cease to exist if well, we don't do that's, something that's i agree and i'll let you finish your comment but yeah. al gore made the all these predictions that none of them have come true right like they went through them like none of what he said and that looks bad mm-hmm. that looks bad when it comes to like you said the doomsday part totally. of it's just things. like people that predict when revelation will happen you know and they're like oh on it's july, right now it's 2020 july 19th <laughs> you know 2017 it's gonna happen and then it doesn't happen and it makes it makes anybody that is takes the scripture seriously look foolish so i think yeah. The same thing. It doesn't mean you throw out climate change because some people have made these predictions and they've been wrong. It's just a matter of like, how, how do we approach it responsibly and say, you know, for what I can do, um, and my wife is way better about this than me because I'm the kind of guy that's like, I'm, you know, she recycles that piles it up in our garage and then I take it into town. And it's like, there's times when I just have fatigue over like the, what it takes to actually be conscious and care about it. And so if there's times when I'm like, can I just throw this bottle away? She's like, no, wash it and put it in the bag. I'm like, okay. You know, yeah, treasure Uh, in heaven for her. It's not, it's not that I don't believe it. Any recycling It's just like, there are times when I'm like, this thing is disgusting. I just want to put it in the trash, you know? And so, so yeah, for as much as it matters to me, why wouldn't I want to care for the world? Um, well, and there's, so this is, we've talked about this, Dan, but like the extremes, right? I do believe God allows the extremes because it extremes do push you towards the middle, at least yeah. a little bit on both sides. Sure. And so I think that's where Jesus always said, never join the zealots in any cause. That's my fear with some Christians with science is it's like, it feels like they've joined the zealots in some mm-hmm. ways. And I don't think that's actually selling climate change or at least selling certain, you know, like you said, recycling or whatever it is. It just feels like, one more way that we can feel more woke and more prideful and more smart than people or smarter than just smarter than people. Like, Oh my gosh, you're not even believing client, you know, all that. And it's like, okay, well, how are we going to discuss this at this point? Right. Yeah. You know, right. I wanted to say this earlier, uh, but then it kind of skipped my memory. But, um, I think there is a certain, uh, reaction, like a reaction culture in Christianity, uh, and I think being raised in the church, you, you really like, there's things that you were sort of raised on that are really, uh, you know, you're taught. And then as you get older and you experience the world and you sort of, you know, 
in your own seeking God, you realize some of those things were a little bit whack, yeah. you know? And so, and so you sort of, there, there's a tendency to want to react to that. And I, I do think some of the, some of the, you know, Christian science wokeness is, is a reaction to some of like the, the oppressive sort of teaching and understanding. And even that mentality that we talked about earlier, where it's like, if you don't believe yeah. that it was six literal 24 hour days, then you can't believe in Jesus. And then you get to the point where you're like, Oh wait, not real. I don't have to believe that I can still believe in Jesus. And then you're yeah. like, then you're like, Oh my gosh. And then you, then you swing and you react. Swing, so then you're on. like, yeah. like, well actually like science can be embraced. And then you start to like, and then on that road, it's like, it's not to say that it's even wrong. It's just to say that, like, I think we always have this tendency to, to, as people to swing, you know, you're on one side for a long time, or maybe you're raised on one side politically. And then you get to the point where you're like, you start to have your own thoughts and you're, you reason some of those things for yourself. And you're like, Whoa, I was just like indoctrinated. And so then you swing over to the other side. Cause you're like, I don't want to be like what I was indoctrinated as. And, and in reality, I do think like you're saying, to your point that, that like, I think really the middle is the place where, yeah. where Jesus calls us to the, the place where we can see both sides and also help try to bring both sides together, um, to like what Dan was saying, how, how progress happens because people care. And so it's like when we can, we can be in the middle and care, then we can move forward in that. And everyone wins. <laughs> right. And I, th I think, again, that's, I don't want to be so unfair to Christians because I think science does the same thing. Like we were, you know, I was talking to a heart doctor from our church and I remember in the eighties when they were like, don't eat eggs, eggs are the worst thing ever. And now they're like, you should eat like four eggs a day. Right. Same way with salt. Right. Salt was like the worst thing ever. And now this guy's like, no, we need salt, you know, salt and butter, the two things yeah. in the Bible that he's like, knock yourself out. Right. Mm. Then the, the butter was terrible. So we went to margarine. Mar margarine was like plastic. You're eating yeah. plastic. It was literally like plastic. And so again, that's my argument just to say like, Everyone take a breath, quit posting stuff that might not be true, or at least it's just a trigger reaction because in 10 years from now, right. you might look dumb. And it doesn't mean that you're going to look dumb. I don't mind someone looking dumb if they were just like, I was just thinking about it. And I would just, you know, but when they're so like, this is it, you got to believe this. And then at least <laughs> repent, at least be like, sure. you know what? I was wrong. But that's, that's kind of my thing with science that I've always struggled with is it seems like science, no matter what, always wins. Because if it's right, then it's like, see, we walk through the process. But if it's wrong, then they're like, see, we walk through the process. And that science, it's always changing, you know? And I just, again, I just feel like there has to be a level of, like you said from the beginning, a level of humility with all of this, you know, instead of being like, you idiot, you're not wearing a mask and, and masks are saving. And then it's like, whoa, can, let's talk about this for a minute. Let's right. just discuss this. and. That's just kind of where I'm at, man. The, the extremes. And then for those that have been on the extremes, though, that have said things, and then it is, if you get too far down that road, then people are afraid to then change, right? Yeah. So they're, they're here, we're so into masks and whatever, and now for fear of being shamed, they don't want to admit that something is could mm -hmm. be, that with new information, things have changed or whatever. Yeah. And I heard this really great quote. I was watching... Uh, the BC Boys documentary. I heard it's awesome. It is so good. Uh, <laughs> even if you don't like the BC Boys, 
you don't have to like I like them. all music documentaries because I'm like not rappers. a fan. I'm just, not a fan. Rappers. And then I watch it and I'm like, nah, I'm a fan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm buying a DC Boy shirt. <laughs> so one of the things they, they talked about was uh, Mike D from the BC Boys. Who I met he, downtown Missoula. Yeah, because they've been here several times, yeah. right? Uh, but he... He has this great quote where, like, ten years after they'd started, you know, they blew up and they were they like <laughs> were crazy when they first started, right? And they they had all these just terrible quotes about the way they treated women and the way they, you know, um, and just the way they went about their life. And then they started towards the end of the BC Boys' career, they started writing stuff about social change and mm-hmm. like how to and equality and like treating people well and. Uh, a reporter asked Mike D, like, how could you possibly be a person now who said all that stuff back when in the 80s when you first started? How how do you reconcile that? And he's like, they said, don't aren't you just a hypocrite? And he had this great quote where he said, I'd rather be a hypocrite than someone who could never change. Amen. And I'm like, I'm gonna live my life based on a Mike D quote. Yeah, that's brilliant. <laughs> that on a shirt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> being a hypocrite's not a bad deal as yeah. long as you can admit it. Exactly. That was Jesus' whole thing, right? Yeah, that's good. Well, we're gonna end on that. We're gonna end on the Beastie Boys and Mike D, <laughs> not the gospel, not the words of Jesus. <laughs> Whatever job, we Dan. said, good our job. foundation, our foundation. <laughs> Is the Beastie Boys and Dan Mike lives D. his life on the Beastie Boys. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> you will either stumble or fall over it, or it will crush you. I live my life on the Jesus, Beastie but Boys. Dan lives it on Mike. <laughs> well, you know, whatever. <laughs> Dan's cool with everything. It's yeah. all good. <laughs> oh man, there's so many caveats that need we to be love you. To <laughs> whatever, whatever. That's what makes this podcast great. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, always up for an email. We didn't even get into dark matter. Oh, we can't even get into dark matter. Not yet. We're not. We're not even ready for that. But thank you for listening. Love you guys. Check us out next time. Peace. Peace.